1: Not because the bad thing didn't happen, but because it did.
0: I promise
2: you, like me, will leave these conversations with some wisdom for your own journey, empowered
0: and inspired to make space in your own life. New episodes of Making Space with Hoda Kotb are released every Wednesday. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Hi, I'm Zivy Owens, and you're listening to Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. This 30 minute podcast features a new author interviewed by me every single day, 365 days a year for about 30 minutes. James Patterson is back on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. This time he is discussing... The Secret Lives of Booksellers and Librarians. Their stories are better than the bestsellers, which comes out in April. And we didn't really touch on what really happens in Vegas, True Stories of the People Who Make Vegas, but that is another one of his books that's coming out. Also, Holmes, Marple, and Poe, the greatest crime-solving team of the 21st century, which we do talk about. James Patterson always has a million things coming out. By the way, fun fact, James Patterson also has a holiday fund, which he gives to bookstore employees, You have to apply or nominate, rather, one of the employees of a store, and their fund selects people who get $500. And one of our Zivi's Bookshop employees, Katrina Lino, who we nominated, was one of the recipients. So thank you, James Patterson, for that. For those who don't know, he is the most popular storyteller of our time. He is the creator of unforgettable characters and series, including Alex Cross, The Women's Murder Club, Jane Effing Smith, and Maximum Ride, and of breathtaking true stories about the Kennedys, John Lennon, and Princess Diana, as well as our military heroes, police officers, and ER nurses. He has co-authored number one best-selling novels with Bill Clinton and Dolly Parton, told the story of his own life in James Patterson by James Patterson, and received an Edgar Award 10 Emmy Awards, the Literarian Award from the National Book Foundation, and the National Humanities Medal. Welcome to James Patterson. Back on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books for, what, I don't know, the fourth time or something? Because you write books so much and so often and so well. Now to talk about the secret lives of booksellers and librarians, true stories of the magic of reading. Congratulations.
1: Thank you, thank you, thank you. This line, the nonfiction line, it started with Walking in My Combat Boots. And the mission has always been something that's very readable, but to allow people to understand something that they think they understand, but they really don't. One of the reasons that I went for a sort of a humorous title, The Secret Lives of Booksellers and Librarians, is one, in general, it's a very funny group. They do have a great sense of humor. They're the best audiences ever when I go to these big librarian or bookseller events because they get all the jokes and they get the literary references and it's really cool. But people don't really understand, one, how difficult it is in this current age right now where we have book banning and people punching librarians. It's crazy, it's 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 just, a, it's a very, very hard resort. And it's always been a lot of work, what booksellers do. People think, oh my God, all those books, they all have to be stacked and put in place and taken out and whatever. And so it's really, really, really hard work. I just wanted people to understand. and And I wanted to praise them. I wanted booksellers and librarians to go, yes, Somebody's telling our story. This is cool.
2: I definitely learned a lot opening a bookstore less than a year Uh ago. uh So all the things (laughs) all the things that you have to do in all the different functional areas. And Uh as a writer I was like, where's my book? And it must be, but booksellers to have limited space. Well, I shouldn't tell you, you obviously know this, but it's it's hard, all the calculations and then physically having to ship things back. And it's a lot and input in the computer and every book decision is huge.
1: Yeah. And the joy, just so people understand what, what Matt Eversman and I did, we interviewed a couple hundred booksellers and librarians and then we we have about 60 in the book or so and we take the 40 or 50 page interviews and turn them into these five or six page nuggets so you get a feeling for that bookseller or that librarian that store or that library and then a couple of of cool stories judy bloom was one of the booksellers
2: yes read that and
1: judy wrote in her she said i had decided after 50 years 50 years of writing that i didn't want to write Anymore. And then this opportunity came up for her, and she says, So, how lucky was I? I was suddenly able to get up in the morning excited about what I'm going to do, how I'm going to spend my day. I'm excited every day that I go to the bookstore. That is the truth. Period, and that's how she feels about her store out in Key West, and that's what drives a lot of the booksellers and librarians—that thrill of recommending a book that turns somebody on, and they go, "Give me another book." And that's how I, you know, feel about a lot of my books that I write. And I'll get this, you know, with the kids' books, people coming back and say, "So a lot of times with tears in their eyes, you got my kid reading," which, as you know, is a huge deal. And then a lot of times with adults, adults, is, hey, I kind of had stopped reading and I read one of your books and I remember how much fun it was, which is also cool, I think. I think it's
2: great when people have individual relationships with a specific bookseller in the store. Yeah. Right. Where they say, oh, you know, Liz's recommendations where, and you say this in, in some of the interviews in here that yeah. some people will like camp out for two days just to be like, I loved it. Give me another one. What else uh-huh, should I read? Uh huh. Uh-huh,
1: uh-huh. yeah, 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 yeah. That is the joy of it. one of the women from, from Albany. She said, this is one of the booksellers. Huh? She said, to me, books are the greatest kind of escapism. I may have a master's degree, but one of my favorite books is Twilight. It's just escapist fiction at its absolute best to each their own. But my attitude is, listen, I have a kid at home. I have a full-time job. I teach. I have a big life. But I don't want to think about my big life for a little while, for two hours. I am not Alexis in Albany. That's the bookseller. I am in the world Mm -hmm. of Forks, or I am in Wonderland, or I am in Hogwarts. And, And there should never be guilty pleasures about reading a book. It's just fine. You're allowed to. I mean, that really, I think in some ways, that's that's what this show is about. Yes. That it is hard being a parent, being a mother, but you're allowed. Yes. You're allowed to spend that hour, hour and a half with a book and and find the time somehow or watch a goofy movie or whatever. Yes, that is allowed. That is absolutely allowed. And it's good for your sanity. Exactly. I'll tell you, the funniest, this is, I, I love life stories. This is my funniest for this week. Friend of mine, his mother was this wonderful Irish lady, had a, just incredible patience. And he and his his two brothers, this is, they were five, eight and 10. And it was one of these, it had been snow, snow, snow for like six days in a row. And these boys were at each other and jumping on each other and screaming and yelling. And finally, she's in the kitchen. She pulls open the drawer. She pulls out three butter knives. She goes here, here, here. Now kill one another. I love that. It's just such a great <laughs> Butter knives. The next time you butter something, think of that story.
2: I'm going to, for sure. I will think of that story. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Um, I loved in your Judy Bloom part that how it came to be that she opened the Books and Books in QS from Mitch Kaplan at Books and Books in Miami, who he is like one of the most important and
1: wonderful people. They're all important and wonderful. Okay. They all are. You're right. They all are. Most of them anyway.
2: I don't know all of them, but I do know him. You know, I'm sure I would find them all equally wonderful.
1: Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh-huh.
2: But the way that she structured it as a nonprofit, I found very interesting as well. And I didn't know that until I read this. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. that's popping up around now, that that little trick of it allows people to, to do bookstores who kind of couldn't afford to do it otherwise, which is great.
2: If you could choose, would you rather be a bookseller or a librarian?
1: I'd probably rather be a bookseller. My mother was, uh, and I have a book on teachers coming too. My mother was a teacher and a librarian. She was a librarian on the week on Saturdays back in Newburgh, New York. So she, she did both. So I got a feeling for that. And she used to drag uh, myself and my oldest sister to the library every Saturday. She was four to six hours. So we would be in the library every Saturday reading, 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 which was good. Look what happened.
2: <laughs> Yeah, that is the secret. If you take your kid to the library four to six hours a week, you will become James Patterson. There you uh-huh. go. That's it. That's all well, you have to my
1: do. And si- my sister, my sister's a big reader, always has been. You know, the, the, the other one that will would, that would get dragged. She's not, has, a, has chosen not to be a writer.
2: Well, your reverence for booksellers and the way you give back is really unparalleled. And you even have this holiday bonus where you can submit a bookseller and you give out gifts. And actually one of the women in our store got one of your gifts and it's changing her life. So thank you so much for that.
1: Well, the great thing about that is more than anything else that we do, we do a lot of, we do a lot of college scholarships and stuff, but the booksellers, I swear to God, every single person that we give something to, they send the most wonderful letters. So it really is, is a joyful thing. We're actually, uh, we're working on it now, right away when, when Secret Lives comes out, I think in April or so, we're going to do another gift to booksellers and librarians so so we're working that out to see who's getting a present who's been they all none of them are naughty but uh you know (laughs) uh, what 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 nice ones are going to get something yeah
2: why give back so much?
1: I credit my mother and my grandmother. That's just the way we were brought up. And they did it. My mother, you know, she taught. She she worked in, in the library, as I said. My grandfather and grandfather had a very small restaurant. And they used to, you know, give to people who didn't have any money all well, the time. It's just the way we were brought up. That was the deal. And, you know, it's a funny thing. I was on the uh, Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, that podcast. All your listeners will know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And I I couldn't get back that night from New Haven, back to Florida. So I stayed in a hotel. This is a weird one. 6.30 in the morning, I got up. And the nicest person in the world, she was the server. And I just had like a half a bagel and a coffee, whatever. And I don't know what got into me, but I left her a $100 tip. And she said, oh, my God, you've made my weekend. And I said, you know what? You may you just made my weekend. And it was just a, a thing about the joy of giving. There are a lot of sort of well to do people in this world that they need to they need to experience the joy of giving more than they. And then we wouldn't have this thing with people going like, Oh my God, these people have so much money. Give it away. Give away a lot of it anyway. <laughs> You know, not you don't have to give away all of it. You can still, you know, have nice things. But anyway, so that, that that's what we do.
2: I'm curious about the current sort of environment for breaking out as a new writer versus when you got started. Yeah. Do, do you feel like it's harder now? Yes. Are there more books, or is that just a perception because it just feels impossible? Or was it always hard? Or do you feel like you if you were starting out today and today you were 25 years old publishing your first book or something? What do you think that would be like? I
1: don't know if I'd make it. There were there are very few publishers. Uh, some publishers have a bunch of imprints. When I, you know, initially there were 40, 50 imprints. There was just a lot of publishing houses. That's how I got 31 turndowns on my first book. <laughs> there were a lot of places. <laughs> and then it went in Edgar as Best First Mystery, so go figure that one out. But I I, I think it's never been harder the only the only thing that makes that is easier now is you can publish your own stuff online and you can get feedback and you probably won't make money. But you might. You might. You can go online and if you can get the word out a little bit or you can go on, you know, some people obviously have been very lucky with TikTok. So there are ways to get it out there without a publisher. But but I think I think it's I think it's very hard to get published in a traditional way now.
2: Okay. Well, just wondered if it was only my, <laughs> my perception. No,
1: no, 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 no. And everybody, all, you know, all my published writer friends are all talk about that. It's like, oh my God, it's so hard. It's hard for people, you know, even people who have won awards and people who have had pretty good track records. It's just, it's very tough, very tough. And people aren't reading just, as much as they, as they should, I think. Yeah.
2: I don't know if you read this in the New York times recently that for the bestsellers on the New York times list, all of them were repeats, except the only new people who got on the list, three of the five or so were from the big book clubs. Of the, no, uh-huh. half of them. Were, and then the remaining three, one was like a book of the month club pick. And so basically, there was only one book or so that actually yeah. got on the list from a debut author. What do we do about
1: that? That's always been true, I think. It's always been hard to break on. I was lucky with the first Alice Cross book. It's a funny thing. I mean, the publisher hadn't told me. You know, and all of a sudden I pick up the New York Times and it was number six. I'm going, and I I thought this is a mistake. and So I went (laughs) over to the local uh, Barnes & Noble on Broadway. And it was in the window, and then I I I went back in the store. And what writers, some writers will do, I still do it. Is if you pick up our book, we'll watch you, and if you put it down, it breaks our heart. And if you if you buy it if you take it just it makes our day and to this day it's still that way if somebody picks up my book in an airport and i say you know at any anyway, rate so so i walk in the store and this woman is is looking at the book and whatever and then she puts it under her arm and she's walking down the aisle and she puts it in her pocketbook she stole it and all i'm thinking is does that count as the sale this Is this a true story it's weird though yeah you know? <laughs> So yeah 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 yeah. But it's it's always been hard. I think for for first novels, unless unless the publisher really decides they're going to go out there and and really really back it like crazy, and then you have to convince a, a couple of the chains to to believe you. <laughs> so so if Barnes and Noble and Walmart don't believe you, it probably won't happen. So but but it's it's hard, but it's doable.
2: follow the Cat in the Hat cast on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to the Cat in the Hat cast ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or Wondery Kids Plus in Apple Podcasts. So meanwhile, between The Secret Lives of Booksellers and Librarians or before that and after that, you have so many more books coming out and have already come out, a book about Las Vegas, what's yeah. coming out, What what's next up in your pipeline and what's going on with your younger kids line and just all of the stuff.
1: I, You know, the younger thing is, is that's calmed down a bit. In January, I, I think a really fun book and I... I actually sold this out in Hollywood, and I said, you should buy it just on the title. And the title is Holmes, Marple, and Poe. And, and I sold it to Skydance, to uh, to David Ellison, and he said, well, I love the title, but you have to tell me a little bit more. <laughs> uh, and, and he did buy it. But if you can imagine the sort of clever deductions of Sherlock Holmes, that kind of the mind that that that, that character had. And then the kind of thorough investigations of Miss Marple, where she was just that great observer of life. And then and then the kind of surprises and shocks you would find in, in Edgar Allan Poe's stories. And somehow, this book, all of this is happening in New York City in 2024. Okay. So if you if you like all that, and I do, then you're ready to read Holmes. Marple and Poe. It's a great team of investigators. They have all of those talents: that deduction, that observation, the surprises, and I think it makes for kind of an unforgettable novel. And I, and it's it's a little cozy, so it's it's not a, you know like a big murderous whatever. So I you know I think people will really like it a lot. And uh, one of the the fascinating things about that process, I write it with a guy named Brian Sitz. Brian worked with me and advertising and then we did a kid show Kids stew which won like six emmys or something it was you know whatever but he had never written a novel or anything like it and then brian got, and i got together and we wrote a, a a book shot one of the novellas and then brian is the, the other brain behind this holmes miss marple and poe book and and he's great and he's at this point i think he's 70 or something like that and he's, he's, he had never written any fiction before. He's great. He just has it. He has that gift. He has that whatever the heck it is. So I think people will like Holmes, Marple, and Poe. And, uh, you know, I, am sure there are people listening and watching whatever, I don't know, we're watching or whatever it is, who go, no, I don't read James Patterson. That's a silly thing. to That's silly. That's like saying, I don't watch, I never watch Netflix or, no, it's, there's so many things. It's, and the variety is such. And, and I, you will like Holmes Marvel, if you like mysteries, if you like mysteries, if you don't like mysteries, you know, I, I wouldn't read that one. Read the read the librarian's book then.
2: Your memoir was one of my favorites of yours, I have to say. Oh,
1: thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
2: I loved that one.
1: Well, and once again, that's I don't think people would expect that. And and that's where we I, I love I I mentioned before about the librarians or the book about the soldiers. I love it when people think they understand something, but they don't. Mm -hmm. And you go like, oh, okay, that's not what I thought. You know, I mean, you're right about the memoir. Most people, especially people that don't read my books, would say I have no interest. If you read it, you go, okay, I really had no idea who this guy was, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. For better or worse. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, they should know that you're very funny. I mean, your little excerpts that you do are very funny. And I feel like you've also conquered how to keep people's attention. I feel like that's something that you're really good at, whether it's a memoir or, you know, short, shortened interviews or mysteries or, you know, the book about, I'm forgetting the title, but football family, the Wolves.
1: House of Wolves. House of Wolves. Yeah. I, I, I've i written a couple now with Mike Lupica and we're on the show, your, your podcast yeah. once too. Yeah. And and we just have a blast together. It's I mean we have so much fun. It's like a a, a sane writers room where the two writers uh, love each other. It really it's been a, it's a it has been it is a good really great relationship. The 12, 12 months to live I think is the one we were on for I think and that's another one. It's just a fun 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 book to read and it is very funny. So anyway, and we will continue with that. But it's good. I tell you what I have this year a little later, which is in June. Is uh, Michael Crichton's estate approached me, and Michael, uh, who who I loved his books, you know, from from yes. Westworld. I don't know if that was a book actually, but Jurassic Park, et cetera, et cetera, Disclosure, uh, Andromeda Strain. And he had started a book and uh, only wrote about seventy pages, or whatever the number of pages was. And the estate came in and said, "Would you like to finish it?" And I said, "Well, I don't know. Let me read Let me read what he wrote." And I read what he wrote. And it, it starts with uh, this volcano, which is threatening to destroy the island of Hawaii. And then there's something even worse than that, which is involved in those pages. And I went, yes, I want to try to, to do this. I want to try to complete this book. And I love the challenge of writing a book that you could not put down, hopefully. And I don't think you can with this book. It's called Eruption. and But also a lot of science which I'd never done before. And Michael Michael graduated from Harvard Medical School, but never practiced, which is really fascinating. He decided I'd rather be a writer. Well, at least he got the degree. There he goes. He, he got the degree. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. That's amazing.
2: So what advice do you have for authors who are trying to become the next you?
1: Don't do that.
0: Uh, don't, do that. don't do that. Don't do
1: that. You know... You know that the the advice of real estate, you know, location, location, location. I think in terms of popular fiction or popular nonfiction, it's story, story, story. And, you know, and and people don't have a lot of time for things. That's that's the whole purpose of your podcast. And uh, so they have to, you know, they have to select, uh, which is which is hard. And you need to be aware as a writer that for a lot of people, they don't have the time that they'd like to have. And, and their attention span is is low anyway. Uh, when I was out with President Clinton, he talked about how the attention span of a butterfly was nine seconds and the attention span of a human is eight seconds. So,
0: <laughs> you know,
1: and, and you just have to be aware of that. And, and my notion, which I've said before, is I, I pretend I'm sitting across from somebody. I'm telling them a story and I don't want them to get up until I finish. And that's a good thing to think about if you're if you want to ultimately make money doing this. That you know uh, you treasure your reader's time when you're writing and don't get caught up in your words and your stuff that nobody cares about. I mean, yeah, you know, a certain kind of book. The book that's you know it's harder if if you just go off and you're just gonna write a thousand pages that you want to write, and you may be a wonderful crafts person it just you're taking a big chance in terms of, of one it getting published and two as good as it might be and and secondly being able to make a living doing it because that's uh people mostly don't that that's harder for a lot hard for a lot of people a thousand page oh my god you know and and no paragraphs yeah a thousand pages no paragraphs <laughs> there's something out right now i can't remember the name of it and i won't publicize it but uh no paragraphs okay fine <laughs> I'm sure it's good, but, you know, I'd like paragraphs. <laughs> oh, yeah. I like to reward myself. Oh, I finished a paragraph. Oh, I finished a chapter. What fun. Yeah. Yes.
2: Well, you you also keep all of your chapters quite short. All of your things are are quite short. So you definitely, even the little books that you have, in you know, the little book visuals you have in this one, just uh-huh. to get you to the end of a section so you can feel that accomplishment.
1: Yeah. Smart. Well, that's okay. That's a nice thing for people within reason, you know. The, the, the Crichton book. Uh, some of the chapters are a little longer because, once again, it's a Michael Crichton James Patterson book, and it, it shouldn't just feel like a Patterson book. It should feel like a, a really a, a collaboration, good collaboration.
2: And do you, just in closing, have any favorite libraries or bookstores that you want to highlight?
1: All of them. Newburgh, New How York, my hometown, that? man, where my mom was. They still, the library is still there. Uh, actually, they just opened a bookstore in town. I don't remember ever when i was i'm sure there were but i don't remember any when i was a kid uh but they've just opened one and the name escapes me right now but you'll be able to find it cuz it's the only one in town <laughs> so i'm going to and 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 in in palm beach where i am classic books we'll give them a shout out too good people Amazing. but but just they're all good they're all it's 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 a noble thing to do it's hard work and for the most part there's not a lot of money in it so uh god bless all of them
2: Amazing. Well, congratulations on your latest release and all of the great things that you do, of course. So,
1: thank, you, for thank you. Thank back you. On. This has been good. Thanks so much.
2: All right. Have a great day. You're good at this. Thank you.
1: <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Bye.
2: Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books.